Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, every single Thursday. If you want, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Today I'm speaking with Genevieve Graham, the author of Letters from Across the Sea, we talk about her great nonfiction book, her writing process, and what's coming next. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. Um, I guess, how have you been doing over the course of the past year with, with COVID? I, I mean, Atlantic Canada is certainly doing much better than the rest of Canada when it comes to COVID. You know, Nova Scotia, somehow we managed very, very well. We still are managing very, very well. It's, it's amazing. I guess we're <laughs> all just interested here. It's perfectly fine for me. I'm used to being all by myself at my desk. So it hasn't really affected me. Um, the only thing that's affected me with COVID really is that I've um, learned how to put myself in front of a camera like I never did before because speaking to <laughs> Speaking to people like you and speaking to book clubs and all sorts of stuff via Zoom has changed everything for me. So, but other than that, we're all good. Same, same here. I haven't really, not much has changed. I guess it's that introvert uh, aspect. (laughs) (laughs) You stay home anyways, so what's the difference? (laughs) Um, So Letters Across the Sea, it's it's the book and it's kind of set in two different uh, years, 1933 and 1939. Um, Tell me a bit about how the process came about to, to write this book. Well, I'm, I'm writing exclusively Canadian historical fiction. I started zeroing in on Canadian history because I've always been a historic, historical fiction reader and lover, but I've only ever read stuff. I mean, there's, there's some Canadian historical fiction, but most of it's set in Europe or the States mm-hmm. or England, Scotland, all these places, but so little here. And I started digging into more and more Canadian history. And this is actually my sixth novel of Canadian history. Um, this one I've been wanting to write for a little while because I like to write about events that we don't talk about, things we're sort of forgetting about over time. It's not being taught sometimes. And um, this, the beginning of this story was supposed to be all about the greatest ethnic riot in Canadian history, the Christie Pitts riot. That's how it all started. So that was back in 1933. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's an amazing story in itself, but then it led Pretty naturally, it led into World War II because one of my main characters, Max, is actually Jewish. He's a doctor, and he is bent on going to World War II and fighting for all of our freedoms. Um, it was after that that I I like to write about Canadian military, and mostly because I feel that our military are very underappreciated, under acknowledged mm-hmm. for the things that they've done. In the last book that I wrote, I talked about the invasion of Sicily where everyone talks about the Brits and the Americans, but we were wedged right in the middle there. And we got a lot of, we did a lot of things too that people don't normally talk about. So with this one, I wanted to write about a part of the war that I I knew nothing about. I wanted to write about the Pacific theater, which I, I'm not really a historian, which is why I do all of this. I know very little, so I have to dig. Mm -hmm. And when I dug into this one, um, I started to learn about the Pacific. And then I, then I wanted to know about Canadians. 
And lo and behold, there was the Battle of Hong Kong that we know next to nothing about mm -hmm. and we should know about. And then I was off to the races after that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty familiar, familiar with the Battle of Hong Kong just because there, there's, I have a Newfoundland dog. And so there's a dog that was in that battle called Gander. So that's why I know about that battle because of my own dog that looks surprisingly like uh, Sergeant Gander. Um, surprisingly, do you know that his name is now listed at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa? I didn't know. I knew it was on a uh, on a memorial, but I didn't know it was at the at the museum. And I think there's a statue of him as well. But it, it's just such yes. a lovely story. I mean, it didn't end well, but everything else about it, I really liked. <laughs> you know what? He he died a hero. So it's exactly yeah. It's that's what matters. Um, so. Uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir when you say that, you know, there's not a lot of Canadian uh, historical fiction out there. And there should be because we have a fascinating history. Um, why, why don't we have a more historical fiction about Canada, do you feel? You know, who knows? Is it because we apologize for everything? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up learning about, learning about the Plains of Abraham, the War of 1812, mm -hmm. the basics like that. And I, I'm going to be perfectly honest and tell you that I slept through most of it. Um, it was sort of taught in a way, nothing's, and I think maybe that was done a lot. It was, we talked a lot about British history and American history and stuff, and not so much about our own. Um, and uh, I think, I think for me, it just took a long time to realize that, to realize that we are living in a country that is full of history and it is exciting history. And the more I write about it, the more I want to write about it. And it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of contagious once you start reading about these things and, and sharing it with people like writing about the Klondike gold rush. Oh my goodness, adventure plus, and it was all done here. So, mm -hmm. um, and when you write about Canadian military history, it's fascinating. And uh, I don't know why we don't talk more about ourselves. It must be that sorry attitude. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to stand out <laughs> for some reason, but we have such a wonderful <laughs> history. Uh, so when you're when you're writing something like this, when you're doing historical fiction, do you kind of have an idea of like, this is a story I want to tell? Or do you find an event and then you're you look at structure and the story around the event? That's more how I do it. Um, I think of it as I'm, I'm starting with a black and white photo. Um, the, the foundation of the book is built on a far away, distant, long ago story that nobody really talks about. That's my black and white photo. And then when I start to research it more, I think it's sort of like colorizing the photo, bringing in the details and starting to see those people come alive. And once I know enough about um, what the people were really like, you know, the, the little intimate things about what they ate and their attitudes and all the little tiny mm -hmm. things, then you can start to really visualize the characters and become a part of the story and that's when it sort of works out i sort of know the plot sort of but i <laughs> you can ask my editor i'm never for sure on what i'm doing so. <laughs> um i always have a lot of respect for for people who write historical fiction just because um i mean i like all forms of, of fiction but if you write science fiction you can be like well i can make up whatever i want you know i'm making this world but with historical fiction you have to spent so much time researching uh, with people like say um, Edward Rutherford who writes those really long detailed uh, century spanning histories. Uh, I really enjoy those, but do you find like most of your time is spent writing the story or doing the research so you're getting the facts right? For me, it's about 50, 50. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, and a lot of it I do up front, but most of it I do it while I'm writing. So the more I get to know the characters, the more I get to understand what they need. And so I'm, I'm always digging. 
and I, I go off track a lot. I dive down so many rabbit holes that never appear in the book, but it still all contributes to what I'm learning. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I find the whole, my history teacher would never believe it of me, but I am <laughs> loving learning the actual research, pro, um, you know, what's going on with it. I really, really enjoy it. And sometimes I find the research easier than writing the plot. Um, mm. Sometimes my characters are less easy to work with than the history itself. <laughs> Uh, now, you mentioned this was your sixth book. Uh, tell me about some of the other books that you've written uh, and the historical uh, events that you've uh, kind of looked at with those books. Sure. Well, it all started for me. The Canadian historical fiction started for me when I moved out here to Nova Scotia with my family. And I grew up in Toronto and then I lived about 18 years in Calgary. And then I moved out here to Halifax or to the Eastern Shore, first of all. And um, it was the first time that I was actually surrounded by history that I could feel like there were houses down the, down the highway from me that were over 100 years old and abandoned so many stories inside those walls and so many graveyards that are set up generations of families all living in the same area you know there's, there's just such juicy stories in there um, but what happened to me was that I had never heard of the Halifax explosion till I moved out here and the people out here, of course, were shocked and, you know, oh my goodness, you mustn't learn about the explosion. <laughs> but anybody west of here, most people west of here that I asked had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's just wrong. This was the largest man-made explosion of all time until Hiroshima. And we don't know that it happened right here. That's wrong. So the first book that I wrote was called Tides of Honor. And it's about the Halifax explosion and the Nova, Social Nova Scotia experience during World War I. Um, and then I wrote a follow-up to that one. It's 25 years later, the same area, the same family, but during World War II, when there were German U-boats skulking around our shores, spying on our ships and reporting on the traffic going in and out. Um, that one, I studied the, the Navy, the Army, and the Merchant Marine to study all about those things. Um, I wrote about the Acadian expulsion of 1755, and that one is called Promises to Keep. That was um, an amazing story. Um, that one was difficult enough um, writing the actual history and then to try mm -hmm. and find a fictional story to put in it was hard because the Acadian expulsion is massive. And again, it's something that we should know about. Mm -hmm. um, and then the first time that I ventured out of, um, out of the Maritimes for these, I wrote, um, I wanted to write about the Mounties because they are, as you probably know, the number one most recognized symbol of Canada worldwide. And I wanted to know why, what they'd done to deserve this kind of, you know, um, regard and bravery and steadfastness and who were these guys. But I didn't want to write um, sort of a chronological story starting from the beginning to the end kind of a thing. I wanted to find the right vehicle to show where the men came from. And it came out when I discovered the, the uh, Klondike Gold Rush. And mm -hmm. I thought, first of all, I thought that's Canada. And I didn't <laughs> know that was here. And it probably wouldn't have been Canadian if not for the mountain, Mounties. So mm -hmm. um, that story really blew it wide open for me about where the bravery comes from. Like these men did amazing things, um, working in minus 60 degrees in, in blizzards that would bury a tent in hours and paid a dollar a day. And they were amazing. And the things that they, the, the rules that they put down that they imposed and then they enforced to save tens of thousands of lives is amazing. Um, 
And last year when I came out with, um, I came out with a story that really touched a lot of people. Um, I had run across a story that blew me away um, about the British home children, which mm -hmm. I'd never heard of. And people around me didn't really know much about. They thought I meant the guest children, which were the children sent out of England to keep them safe during World War II. Um, but the British home children were actually, it's the story of between 1869 and 1948 of over 120,000 destitute children sent from England to Canada to work as indentured servants, 75% of whom were um, neglected, abused, even killed by the Canadians over here. Um, it's a story that wasn't really told for forever because I, I believe it's because most of the kids were made to feel so humiliated and ashamed of their own lives that they never told anybody. But now, with all the research that's happening, we discovered that it has affected um, over 12% of Canadian population is descended from these children. So over 4 million people descended from the British home children and very few know anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, that book was The Forgotten Home Child and uh, it did really, really well actually. It was a, it was a runaway, it was an instant number one bestseller across Canada. And it was um, on the bestsellers list for 19 weeks and it was number one for 11 of those weeks. And um, as great as that is for me, it's also great because it tells me that people want to learn our history. You know, mm -hmm. they're starting to wake up to it and go, oh, that's something I wish I'd known. Why didn't I know this? And, and they, then they start to pick up the other books and learn more about things that really we should know about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, now tell me with that letters across the sea, um, like you said, with the forgotten home child, you wanted people to kind of learn about that, that part of our history that most people don't know with letters, uh, with letters across the sea. What, what do you hope people get out of the book? There, well, there's two aspects, as we mentioned that the first part with, um, with the Christie Pitts riot, I, I want to open people's minds and eyes to, um, the anti-Semitism that was rampant in Toronto at the time, you know, in Toronto, the good um, run under the strict hand of the orange men, everything was very strict and, and according to so many rules, um, but beneath it all was just an amazing simmering pot of anti-Semitism with the, the signs in the windows that said, um, uh, help wanted Jews need not apply. And the signs down on the beaches, it said no dogs or Jews mm -hmm. and the swastika clubs that were so-called cleaning up the streets by beating up Jewish people. And, and of course the Jewish people having their own gangs and, and the, the heat that was building up between all these, because we like to, I think as Canadians, we don't think that we are part of that dark and evil side, mm -hmm. but I think anti-Semitism needs to be talked about more, especially here in Canada. Um, and the other one is definitely the, uh, the Hong Kong experience. Um, that we know very little about these men, the 1,985 men that were sent over to Hong Kong, that were undertrained, underarmed, told that, don't worry, nobody's gonna attack you. There's, you're just garrison duty there in Hong Kong. No, you're not in any danger at all. And then after Pearl Harbor, when the Japanese swept in and declared themselves to be definitely a part of this war, how the Canadians battled them, battled against 50,000 Japanese warriors in Bushido code that knew no, no such thing as surrender. And mm -hmm. these men fought back really, really hard. Um, but in the end, this was the only battle in World War II history that was 100% a failure. Because if you weren't one of the 296 killed during the battle, you were taken as a Japanese POW for almost four years. 
where mm-hmm. they were they were enslaved. They were worked in slave labor and starved um, and died. The, the the brutality of it all, because there was absolutely no um, no acknowledgement of the Geneva Convention. The emperor never signed for that. So, I mean, these men w- witnessed their friends being beheaded. There were there were mm-hmm. amazing things, and then when they came back here, they were not acknowledged. They were not compensated. There was no apology. Um, in 1952, Canada legally absolved Japan of any financial responsibility. And there was never an apology made to the Canadian POWs until I think it was 2011, so mm-hmm. 60 years later. And, and the, I think the experience of these men being in the POWs, there's a fact um, that blows me away that shows how little we know that about 40% of POWs that were in the Japanese, or sorry, in the German camps, about 4% of them died while they were in those camps. In mm-hmm. the Japanese camps, it was about 27% of the prisoners were killed there. I just think that these are such important facts. And when you think about the men that came back and, and nobody even really paid much attention to them, everybody's mind was on either the thousands, tens of thousands of people coming back from Europe or on the atomic bombs. Mm-hmm. And these, these returning Canadian POWs were just kind of lost along the way. And uh, there's only five of them still alive today. And uh, I think it's important that we recognize them. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, So what is coming next? Uh, What book are you going to be working on next uh, now that you've uh, finished this one? I have a book a year, so I'm (laughs) well into the next one. It's, it's going to be really fun. It's, um, it's evolving as it goes, but it's, uh, it wants, mostly going to be about rum running in the Windsor, Ontario, <laughs> Windsor, Detroit, in there. But it's going to start in World War One, where I'm going to talk about the Bluebirds, the Canadian nursing sisters. Mm-hmm. In World War One, that was the only job that the Canadian women were allowed to have in the war um, overseas. And actually, they were the first women to ever vote in Canada, the Bluebirds got the first vote. Mm-hmm. And so I start over there. Um, and uh, I go through the Spanish flu, a little bit of it. Oh. And I go through a lot of the things that were happening during that time period. Um, and then, then I move out into Windsor, which, you know, it's kind of a Peaky Blinder setup out there. It was pretty <laughs> wild and crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, with this book, with Letters Across the Sea, uh, where can people find it? Where can they get in touch with you, uh, learn more about the book, all of that? You can definitely look me up anytime. My website is www.genevievegraham.com. Uh, you can find me on Simon & Schuster Canada's website. The books are available across Canada and the U.S. as well. Um, you can find them in chapters. You can find them online. Or you can um, go into your independent bookstore and order mm-hmm. it straight from there. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W, Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurieanne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, 
Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.